0: Hello friends. Um, We're back for the second half of our conversation with Janine Yazzie of the Dine people out there in New Mexico this evening. Um, Thank you again Janine for your willingness to be with us and to share all the good medicine that you've shared with us through um, the wisdom and and, uh, advice and knowledge you've given to us so far. And so if want to continue our conversation uh, and I have a couple of more questions for you and you um, kind of at the end of our last segment challenged us in some ways, um, which is awesome. Um, if people didn't pick that up, go listen to that challenge again, because people may not have picked that up right away, but you kind of challenged us to, to how we can do better um, at finding healing for creation if we can uh, um, build this technology that destroys, then we certainly have the ability to to find the solutions that heal. Um, and uh, so I'm curious to know if there's any examples out there, either in your community that you've seen or out in the world, people who have created some of those solutions that you talk about and that you're hoping that we can all challenge ourselves to find in this care for our, our creation and Mother Earth. I'm just curious if if you have any of those examples in mind.
1: Absolutely. I think there's just some phenomenal work being done around the globe in frontline communities. And the common factor among the different projects that are going on is that they're most successful when they're community-led and they're rooted in a common vision, a shared vision for the the people that are directly impacted. And so when we talk about um, one of the main frameworks for the types of solutions that we need is rights-based approaches. Um, it's really about centering the type of processes and protocols that need to be honored and upheld for the rights holders of a given place to even be given the space and the resources and the support that they need to come up with those solutions and so we have um we have a lot of different uh, community-led solar projects, right, um, that are are developing decentralized solar projects so that we're not looking at provision of energy um, through the, the lens of like market mechanisms and through monopolization of the control of that energy, but really approaching it by understanding that people need energy and have energy needs for basic Human dignity, dignity and survival, and to, to build the type of systems like that. Of course, you're not going to have like the power to run five TV sets, or, or to you know watch Netflix all night, um, or whenever you want to. It's not about luxury, right? It's it's about um, responsibility mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. use the energy, <laughs> to use the energy that is being generated in a responsible manner. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is why uh, like those types of projects always make us go back to question our values. Um, for, especially around energy, like we have to ask ourselves, what are we really producing energy for? Um, what are those needs? How much of it is, is a manufactured need uh, under consumer systems of, of, you know, needing to build and, and attain different luxurious lifestyles uh, as, as are deemed popular by, by those with a lot of social capital? Um, and then what is, what, is, what, what is like actually meeting our real needs? What mm. does that actually look like? Um, and how can we find that balance? Because it's not—it's not sustainable, and it's not going to help our world if everyone shifts to solar power tomorrow. Those 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 energies, those systems still depend on mining practices. And so, when we when we have that type of myopic focus to try to find a solution that fits for everybody, like what we end up doing is is really. Um, I forget I'm morally bad with analogies. So I was gonna say like we're like kind of like jumping out of the the frame pot into the fire as they say right because if we if we just focus on that we're not changing any of the power dynamics for how energy is produced and distributed to people and and, and the inequalities that are existent in that right um, instead what we're doing is we're we're shifting divestment from fossil fuels and we're shifting that investment into mining for precious minerals and for lithium that's needed for for solar power and and so we're not necessarily changing anything. And we're definitely not changing the direction of our future when it comes to climate change, if we just focus on a solution like that. And that's why when when earlier in my responses, when you were saying, like, um, what can people do? That's why I always emphasize going back to place and learning about the problems and challenges where you're most where you feel most connected, because our challenges are, are so complex. Um, our histories are so complex. And so our solutions need to mirror that. And our so in, in order to like um, protect and restore biodiversity, our solutions need to have the same type of diversity uh, that, that's informed by the, the limitations and by the type of relationships that exist within our ecosystems. And so, um, you know, like I feel like the a lot of the projects that we've seen do that, whether it's around food sovereignty and what that looks like, you know, even having to articulate what food sovereignty is in the midst of where governments and institutions are only talking about food security, right? Which doesn't change any any aspects of like the problems around our food systems right now. Um, like we had to articulate food sovereignty because it's a different way of approaching both understanding the challenges that we're presented with with uh, food scarcity. Um, and and um, nutritional deficiencies and vulnerable communities, um, so that we can produce a different type of solution. Because when you if you just use the food security framework, for example, you're going to think, oh, the solution to food security on the Navajo Nation is great, create more grocery stores, because they only have 13 serving serving an area the size of Wisconsin, and that that's not the solution we need, right? We need the ability and the right and the self-determination to restore our traditional food systems to continue the practice of stewarding and harvesting our wild foods as well not just what we grow but what's provided by our ecosystems and taking care of it responsibly Um, we need we need to look at everything from what that means in terms of like having a deeper conscious relationship with the health of our soils and the health of our waters as well as with the seeds uh, of all of these sacred plants and foods and and using that as a foundation to think through what are are then the social cultural structures that need to be created so that we're creating communities around this practice that are sustainable and that are regenerative. Like those are the types of solutions we need for food systems everywhere. Uh, But it's always going to look different everywhere as well.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I know you folks can't see me or our engineer, producer, publisher, in the room here, the Zoom room or the producer producer room, but we're all just shaking our heads like, yes, absolutely, Um, almost uh, a hallelujah. Um, Thank you so much for reminding us of of all those complexities and we need to be thinking beyond just, you know. where are we investing and that one solution, you know, that one solution doesn't fit all. And you're absolutely right. And I'm grateful for your wisdom around and the examples you can give around that. So thank you so much. I, you know, this then also leads me to this next question because I think that as an indigenous theologian, which I am, um, you know, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how might um, our thought and theology, how might our ideologies as indigenous peoples impact, um, other thinkers, other believers in different ways. Uh, and so uh, I find myself sitting both in a Christian context and an Indigenous context. I'm always looking at uh, theology through an indigenous lens. Um, and uh and, and, and so I'm 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 gonna be I'm gonna be bookmarking this particular podcast because I'll be coming back to um, quote you in many of my future writings, so I'm excited about that too. So selfishly, that's going to happen, uh, but also I think about you know um, the messages that I I hope to put out you know to other communities, especially other world legends uh, in the future. So I'd be curious to know what you, Janine, might be able to offer, or what kind of advice or wisdom or um, thoughts you might be able for the world religions out there to. Curtis remind us that we are, you know, um, that that we are related, that we are connected to Mother Earth, that we are relatives of our non-human neighbors and siblings. What might you offer um, for us to think about in that regard? Because I think um, we sometimes forget about it. We sometimes forget that part of our existence. We're caught up in the next world the next place, which is important, but then we um, take advantage or um, um, abuse what we have presently.
1: No, mm. oh, absolutely. It's a very great question, and I think one that I come back to often, because it's a, it's a real challenge in our communities that has very important implications over whether or not um, the rights that we're advocating for are going to be upheld or not. I mean, it's only been until the late 70s that we had the Native American Religious Freedom Act passed. And so, even though there is a general acceptance for many dominant world religions from around the globe uh, and, and uh, under the practice of freedom of religion, the particular spirituality of Indigenous peoples was considered more of a threat and and (laughs) made illegal in many ways because of how we practice that that spirituality. Um, And, you know, just through the generations of colonization of different Indigenous peoples from across the globe, we're all dealing with a condition right now of internalized violence and um, internalized oppression uh, because we have been in into different forms of, of uh, institutional religion um, that has really honed in the message that being indigenous is backwards, is wrong, is savagery, is hedonistic in many ways. Um, and, you know, despite that, and uh, on all of that legacy, one of the things that's so beautiful about indigenous peoples is that even though we carry a lot of pain and a lot of grieving from those from those very real histories. And a lot of that is being triggered right now with the continued discovery of mass graves of indigenous children who have were, were stolen from our communities um, through Catholic-run and Christian-run boarding schools. Actually, they were run by many different sects. We had Jehovah Witness boarding schools. We had uh, a lot of different denominations that were carrying out this practice in collaboration with, with the government. Uh, so there's a lot of pain there. But despite that, there's not you don't see calls for revenge. You see calls for healing. You see call for naming that injustice and for taking appropriate steps and actions to return our babies back to our homelands Uh, because there's that deep need to to want to address this wrong if with the intent to overcome it and to prevent it from ever happening again. and so in that way, I think a lot of, we're struggling with the language of what it means to communicate to each other across different religions, um, the, the difference and the uniqueness of indigenous spirituality, um, because we haven't had those spaces to really talk about and heal from the injustices that have been done. And we all have a responsibility because no, ma- no, no matter what religion it is, I, I have seen and have heard and have come to understand through talks of, of, um, with different um, practitioners and pastors and uh, I call them knowledge holders too, <laughs> knowledge holders yeah. of these different religions, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, that the goal of the religion is peace, is justice, is yeah. is peaceful communities is harmony is mm. earning is earning uh you know whether it's in this life in the next like the the all of the religions as i come to understand them is about how to prove that now how to enact that now mm. so that it is deserved and i think there we can find a foundation to communicate and to co-create what does that actually look like without really without stepping on and infringing the rights of each other without getting so embroiled in conflict that we forget that we have a shared vision of life and of peace and of happiness for Mm -hmm. our loved ones, for our children, and for future generations. Um, and I think that if we're if we're given that e- even playing like that even plain field to have that conversation with indigenous knowledge holders and spiritual leaders, it's very easy to understand why and how our spirituality being rooted in, in Mother Earth makes it possible for us to be indigenous and Christian, mm-hmm. Indigenous and Catholic, Indigenous mm-hmm. and Jewish. You know, yeah. like we have indigenous, we have indigenous Buddhists, we have mm-hmm. indigenous Baha'i, we have indigenous peoples in almost every religion, I guarantee you there's a Navajo in at least all of, <laughs> those. <laughs> all of yeah. those sects, but yeah. we can still hold true that despite all of that, we are still indigenous to this earth. We still have a sacred responsibility to this earth in this life, and to all those that depend on the, the beautiful, precious gifts that are offered by it.
0: Yes. Amen, as some of us would say. Amen. Yes, Uh, yeah, you're you're right on. And um, well, as a as a theologian, uh, I want to continue this part of the conversation for about another three hours. But I digress, (laughs) and we'll and we'll just say, you know, Janine, this has just been phenomenal. Your gift um, tonight, um, your many gifts, um, in fact, uh, are just so much appreciated, and I'm so grateful. And I suppose that what I'd like to do is maybe just as we close out this evening um, is just to so you open it up to you. Is there anything that you think you'd like to share um, with our audience um, here at allcreation.org um, that might be helpful to us as we journey forward from this place?
1: Hmm. I think uh, what's coming to mind right now and coming to heart is is just the message. Don't give up. Don't give up a beautiful world is possible and it's being birthed right now and it needs all of us to be there to help guide it into existence and we do that by breathing love into the work we're doing by breathing love into the relationships that surround us and by breathing love into ourselves because um, we often forget ourselves and, and all of this process. And if we can do that, then we can find ways, no matter what challenges we're facing, to continue to stand in our power and and you know bring bring life to the solutions that are needed for our world and our communities.
0: Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Well, folks, um, man, this has just been a very spiritual and blessed evening with Janine Yanze out there in Gallup, New Mexico. Thank you to Chris Searles, our publisher and engineer um, for this particular podcast. And uh, thank you to all of those of you who read all, all creation and listen to our podcasts, especially for this particular issue. We're excited about our guest Janine and all she shared. So please save this in your bookmarks to listen to again, because there's plenty to learn from. And I'm sure that we will need to review it to capture all the beautiful gifts that she's offered us this evening. And we want to say, of course, thank you to Janine Yazi and her family um, for making time um, for us this evening here on All Creation. Um, we're just so thankful. Thank you so much for um, uh, being with us and for the um, goodness that we get to think about um, as we go to our places this evening. So thank, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Vince.
0: We'll talk again soon. Have a good night, everybody.